Goldthorpe is number one. A kickstart for Australia. Gold in a world record. Now it's Donovan Bailey trying to pick up runners. Donovan Bailey is putting on a third. A perfect score, 10.0 for Nancy Cavanici, a perfect score. The first time I've never seen anyone get a So in over 100 years, nobody's won as many medals at the Olympic Games in any sport than this great champion, Michael Phelps. Usain Bolt, sprinting ahead, winning by daylight and setting a world record, 9.68. The wind is okay. It is Off The Podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you for our first episode of 2021, an interview, yay, the crowd goes crazy, and we have a special guest on the show today, our first non-Olympian, I believe, since last year, uh, when we were talking to sports climbers, so this time we're talking to a snowboarder, and an American snowboarder, our first American athlete on the show today, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, our first non-Canadian slash non-American athlete on this show I could be wrong. I'm sure I'll get uh, told off in the comments if I am wrong. But uh, we're going to be talking to Miles Silverman today. He is a uh, snowboard slalom racer who is on the cusp of making the 2022 or 2026 Olympic team for Team USA. And it's a fun chat here, learning a lot about how he got into the sport, training techniques, and everything else in between. And also a weird connection to Hobart. Stay tuned, you'll find that. And speaking of staying tuned, we are proud to announce here on Off The Podium that we are now officially an award-winning podcast, sort of. We're at least an important podcast that we have made an important list, which counts as an award for us. So stay tuned after the interview. We'll come back in, we'll wrap up the interview, and we will tell you why we're so good, apparently. Anyway, let's go into our interview right now. Here is Miles Silverman, US snowboarder. It is a pleasure to welcome our next guest here to Off The Podium today. Very excited, actually, for this one on many different levels. I'm going to start off by reading the resume of our guest. He's a six-time national champion, four-time collegiate national champion, four-time first-team All-American, Sports Illustrated Faces in the Crowd 2019, award named after him at his own college, a three-time competitor at FIS Junior World Championships, top 20 at FIS Junior World Championship, and... This guy can listen to Nickelback for 10 minutes straight, <laughs> which I think out of everything might be the uh, the biggest achievement there. He's our first ever American athlete on this show, which we're extremely excited for. And I also believe, and Colin, you may correct me here, our first snowboarder, or am I wrong there? Yeah, no, oh, you're right about that. First okay, one good. snowboarding. Right, I just had to go through the memory there of all the different sports we've had on the show. Our first snowboarder. It's a pleasure to welcome to Off the Podium, Miles Silverman. Miles, first of all, mate, welcome to the program. It's a pleasure to have you today. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. It's sick being here. Yeah, well, well, I I wanted to make sure that people are aware of of your achievements there. And as I said, congratulations on the Nickelback for 10 minutes straight. That one must have taken a lot of training (laughs) to get up to. Yeah, no, it's rigorous. I uh, I try to train every single day on that. Uh, you know, I started to carry and move up. <laughs> I think, I think Chad Kroger is even struggling with that right now. 
But it's, um, as I said, pl- pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, and, I mean, we, we've generally focused on Canadian and Australian athletes, given, I guess, that's sort of where we're based. But American athletes, you know, you guys are out there. We thought it's important. You guys kind of dominate the world when it comes to uh, <laughs> the Olympics and everything along those lines. So we thought it's important to talk to our fearless leaders and find out how it, what it's like to win at the Olympics maybe one day. But, I mean, Mars, obviously yourself at the moment, you're, you're currently competing. You're, you're aiming towards the, the 2022 Olympics. So I'd love to get a bit of a, a brief background on, on sort of what drew you to, to snowboarding, what kind of set you on this path to uh, hopefully an Olympic this time next year, you know, on the way to the Olympics. Yeah, no. Um, so I, I started out skiing. Uh, my dad was a big skier. Uh, so I started when I was one, I got into ski racing. And when I was doing that, I was like, man, this, this, like, this really isn't it. Uh, my dad always had like the extreme skiing movies going. So like pulling up in like a speed suit, Hmm. like all that jazz, like that, that wasn't for me, I thought. So, uh, by the time I was six, I was like, I need to get a snowboard. <laughs> so I did ski racing um, and snowboarding. I had like a deal with my dad and uh, I did some competitions in ski racing. And he said, like, if I did well, like I could get a snowboard. And then um, one of our family friends, Seth Westcott, he, uh, he competed at the 2006 Winter Olympics in snowboard cross. And my dad, you know, like them being good friends and stuff, we decided to go out to Italy and Torino and go watch. Nice. So I think like I was eight years old at the time and like seeing that huge competition, being in love with snowboarding, I was like, this is it. Wow. So uh, from there on, I always just had like this dream to compete at the Olympics. You said that, uh, you know, your your dad was uh, into snowboarding and that, um, you know, also your friends with Seth, I mean, Seth Westcott, that's a big name. I mean, that's a gold medalist right there. Did your dad uh, race competitively? Did he have a, a certain uh, sport to, other than snowboarding that he was in or was snowboarding just a hobby? No. So my dad was actually big into the skiing. So he grew up in Cali and he spent like most of his days like going out by himself or like with his friends um, and like one claim to fame that he has is like going heli skiing in Alaska. So like, he's all about the extremeness, but then like he moved to Maine and like through my mom's family, he became friends with Seth. And like, from there on, like my, like Seth was a huge inspiration to me and like my snowboarding dream just grew. And what's that like having uh, an Olympic gold medalist and just as a, as a guy, you're like, hey, how you doing? Olympic gold medalist, you're just my mate, you know, whatever. Like, uh, give me some tips. Like, that, just casual sort of friendship <laughs> groups there, right? It, it, was, it was insane. Like, it's having, like, probably, you know, like, like a god to me. You know, at, like, that age, I was like, this guy's the man. Like, not only did we see him win in Torino, but we saw him win in Vancouver, too. So I remember just like being eight and like 12 years old and seeing like all of this happen and being like, I know that guy. (laughs) And like, I remember uh, we went over to his house one time and he got me like, he was sponsored by like burn helmets. So like, I just remember he had this order of seven helmets and he just like tossed me a helmet. And I was just remembering how cool that was. So like, that's kind of like something that like, I've always like, 
you know, dreamed of, of like seeing, like getting to that, that uh, point in my snowboarding career, you know? Talk about another first on the show. I mean, not just the first snowboarder, not just the first American athlete we'd have. I think you're the first athlete we've had on period that attended the Olympics before actually getting into a competitive sport, which is crazy because Ben missed out on the Sydney Olympics when he was in Australia. I missed out on Vancouver. Both as an spectator, clearly. Both, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sadly, (laughs) I mean, I... <laughs> Waiting for I, I that athlete close. day. <laughs> yeah, I came close to the athletic side in Vancouver, but then, you know, missed that, didn't want to attend as a spectator. I mean, what, what was it like to attend not just one Olympics, but two Olympics back to back for winter? Oh, it was so cool. I mean, like, I was snowboarding over there. Like, I, I remember I was over in Torino, and like, my dad was like, You can bring your, bring your snowboard only if you bring your skis. I didn't even use my skis, you know? So, like, I got to snowboard over in different countries like way before I was competing in them. And I think that was like a huge thing for like my travel. Um, but like also just like being in the Olympic environment and like seeing all all of like the things going on, the different events, we like somehow got into the opening ceremonies of Vancouver. Wow. And like, it's just like a huge rush, you know? Which... It must then just be such a inspiration to add to everything along those lines and to get to, to witness and just that Olympic experience because we, we talk to a lot of athletes and guests on the show outside of the competing about the experience of going to the Olympics and, and obviously, Miles, your, your goal, you're, you're on that path towards the Olympics, so you haven't experienced that as an athlete, but you going into when your first Olympics will be have at least experienced, I guess, the vibe around the city in both Vancouver and Torino about kind of what it's feeling like, which obviously differs from being a spectator and cheering on somebody, you know, to then going into that with mentality of like, wow, I'm here, but this time I'm the one who people are cheering on rather than me doing the cheering. Yeah, no, I I mean, like that would be just insane. Like, so I got to go to the university games twice um, once was in Kazakhstan, once was in Russia. And that whole thing is kind of like a mini Olympics, you know, like the one in Russia, it had like Putin came and talked at the opening ceremonies. So that was just like nuts. So like I got to like experience like the athlete village, the, you know, the uniforms and everything, but being like, like that's not like there on the Olympic scale. So like I still have like those aspirations of going to the olympics and like experiencing all that and like it would be unreal to have you know like i I talk about it with my family all the time they're like my cousin he's like dude like i can't imagine like you making the olympics like you making the team we would just go off (laughs) so like all of like knowing their emotions and like it's just kind of like a fuel i guess for me you know like seeing how stoked they'll be like for me it's just kind of unreal. It's a good experience. Here's the part of the interview where Ben and I uh, feel very old because uh, we we probably remember, I, I definitely do, but I'm sure Ben does, watching the first time snowboarding was oh, yeah. ever competitive in the Olympics in Nagano. Yeah. And, and yeah. obviously that was big for Canada, Ross Rebliati too. And I can't, I can't even tell you how jealous I am that you, know, you were in Vancouver uh, when my favorite, uh, maybe my favorite winter athlete of all time, JCJ Anderson took the gold. Um, yep. But uh, uh, when you're getting into snowboarding, when you're even viewing it as a spectator, now it's evolved so much where you have slope style, you've got snowboard cross, you've got half pipe. It used to just be half pipe and slalom. Uh, did you set your sights on just one discipline or d- does it, 
uh, come down to, okay, well, I've tried everything out and this is the one I'm best at. Well, so basically like I've never really tried out snowboard cross. Um, you know, I was kind of into the tricks, um, but I ended up breaking my back. So I decided to move over to snowboard racing and, you know, I had like a bunch of concussions, like when I was just like fooling around with snowboarding, like early on. So, uh, we thought like snowboard racing is the safest bet. And like, it took me, like, it took me to where I am today. And I mean, I think with my snowboard racing now, I think it's probably like the only event that I want to be doing. I do love like backcountry. So like, don't get me wrong. Like hands down after com- competing, I want to like somehow make it into like the movies in the backcountry. <laughs> like there's still, still the piece of the extreme movies, you know, from like my childhood growing up. So like, I always watch those. I have to ask as a James Bond fan, and please tell me you get this reference smiles. Have you ever listened to California girls by the beach boys while snowboarding? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. No, <laughs> I, I know. Maybe it's just because, like, I don't know if I'm a Gen Z. I don't know if that's right. But maybe, maybe next my time. Age. Next yeah, time, right? Which it's, it's interesting. Kind of, I mean, as an Australian, winter sports not our forte, but snowboarding is up there as one of the ones we're actually good at. Obviously, Tora Bright, an Olympic champion for us in Vancouver, and we've had Jared Hughes and Scotty James obviously get a couple of medals yeah. at the the last Olympics. So we've uh, had a bit of success out there in, in snowboarding. Um, but is there, when you go from that transition from skis to, to snowboard, um, is there much of a change besides the obvious of having one big piece of plank on your feet compared to, to two? I mean, is there much you've got to mentally change in terms of your technique and training and does the snow feel different? I mean, subtle things like that when you do switch it up? Yeah, I mean, well, first off, I want to like shout out Jared Hughes, that guy. Like, I've known him. He and I, uh, he and I trained together over in Steamboat, Colorado. Right. Um, so like, yeah, he got second at the Olympics. That was huge. But um, in regards of like switching over from skiing to snowboarding, uh, I think like there's still the same mentality in like ski racing and snowboard racing. You know, you have your line. You want like the high line and coming around and like pressuring through the turn to gain speed. Um, but I haven't been on skis in like, I don't know, since I was 10, 11. So I, I really don't quite remember how much there was. I know like a lot of people that I talk to, they're like, you know, skiing is a lot easier to begin. You know, you have two planks, it's easier to balance. Um, compared to like the one where if you lean on your toe side, you know, you're just going to wash out. I'm not going to, you know, brag on myself as being any better, but I mean, Ben just had his first experience <laughs> on skis. And I think, I think that uh, it lasted well, well, Five significantly shorter than you could listen to Nickelback. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. True story. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not natural. I put the skis on. I'm like, this isn't for me. And I just went back to the chalet and did some Sudoku puzzles. So yeah, I'm not going to be challenging anyone at the uh, Olympics anytime soon in skiing. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, we'll, we'll have to go sometime. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you can help me to actually realize that it does meant to feel natural slipping all over the place when you've got a couple of pieces of wood strapped to your feet. So, yeah. Uh, at what point did you start to do this competitively? And I guess at what age and what was the experience like? I mean, uh, we talked to so many athletes and 
they sort of fall into the sport, but uh, I, I can't even you know imagine the amount of levels that Ben just ran through, you know, champion this, champion and that, you know, how slow of a build this could actually be over time, but how many competitions there are out there. What was your first competition like and how did you get into it? Yeah, so again, it was like so crazy. I went to, to Reno, the Olympics, and I remember we met this family and one of the kids that we met was like doing all these competitions snowboarding like that's how i heard of it so it just like got me even more pumped up you know i was like wow there's something that i compete in now um you know it's like a way out of skiing for me <laughs> but uh so then the next year i was in i think fourth grade uh i went i competed in like i made my first nationals which was like USASA. It's like a huge like stepping stone and everything, but it's great for like all the kids. And uh, I went to Lake Tahoe, California for my first nationals. And then like from there on out, it was just like training, training, training. Or like, I didn't really have a coach at the time, but it was just more of like on snow. And then like my fifth grade year, I ended up winning my first national championship. We're in like the age group, obviously, but, and then, um, you know, after that, my, uh, my dad and I, we were kind of like, wow, you know, you have a talent for this. If you want to like pursue it, you got to be on snow more, you know, cause like the whole 10,000 hours, you know, like if you want to be professional at something, you gotta have 10,000 hours at it. So, uh, all through junior high, sixth, seventh and eighth grade, I would take the winters off and wow. I was completely homeschooled. Wow. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't even like a homeschool. I wouldn't even say that. It was more of just like go up, snowboard, and like one read one at lunch. Read one book, yeah. <laughs> dude. I was getting, I was getting, I was getting, uh, like taught by like some some people working at the bar. <laughs> it was crazy. You'd fit in in Australia. That's where we get all our education. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it was. Uh, it was quite the time. I mean, I feel like that's kind of like where I learned, like that's where I matured the most, I'd say. <laughs> and what was the competitive scene like that point in, in the States? I mean, obviously the U.S. has been very successful in snowboarding. I mean, you've got someone like Sean White, you're probably the greatest ever person to strap on a board, right? So you're going to obviously have a lot of attention there. I, I mean, is it always been highly competitive? I mean, I guess sort of U.S. snowboarding is, is one of sort of the, the best industries you've got going for winter sports. So I'm guessing it's very competitive growing up. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Like uh, for slope style, like half pipe tricks, I put like the U.S. completely up there. Then you get over into like the racing, like what I do. And, you know, you come overseas and you see the Russians, like the Italians, the Austrians. These guys are just like on a whole different level. It's probably because like, one, they're getting so much more funding. Um, and two, uh like there's a whole group of those kids like idolizing those guys, like the top guys, like they publicize the snowboard racing uh, side of things. And so like everyone like kind of like grows up and like wants to do that. One of the biggest differences we found with uh, summer and winter athletes is uh, the lack of ability to train directly with what you're doing with the winter because so much of it is outdoors and based on snow. 
Uh, you know, I remember talking to a couple of mogul skiers years ago and they would go to Australia and it wouldn't even be about snow. I mean, they're like, okay, yeah, we're, we're doing ski jumping, like water ski jumping and stuff like that, just to learn how to land. Uh, yeah. Whereas if you're a summer athlete, I mean, you can train indoors on a track, you know, uh, gymnast, same thing. Uh, how do you get around the winters or when it does come to the summer, do you have to go somewhere with snow and how much of the year is actually spent on your training? Yeah, no, it's, you know, I was actually like thinking about that today. I was like, wow, like in order to like be great at snowboarding, like you have to be on snow. Uh, I mean, you can like get things where, you know, you enhance your balance. Uh, you can work on your core. But I think like when it comes down to it, you know, it's not like LeBron James is just like playing beer pong the whole time to practice. <laughs> it's more like he's he's working like with the actual equipment like to play. Um, so for me in the summers, um, you know, I got to go find somewhere to snowboard. So like I've gone down to Chile, uh, I've been over to Mount hood. I was in mammoth for a bit. Um, and then this past summer I was unable to go cause like there was the whole COVID thing going on, but, uh, the team that I trained with, they went over to France. Um, so like for me, I think that. I need to be on snow like roughly over 150 days a year just wow. to like keep up with like the top guys. And like, that's kind of like another thing, of like how expensive it gets into. Cause like you need like passes, you need like the travel fees, like all that. Um, but you know, I make do for not being on snow as much by like trying to be in gym um, as much as possible. Uh, you know, for something like, I try to take like, I guess the yin and the yang, you know, like the bad is that I can't be on snow. So like, I might as well like do what I can. Um, so I work on like my mental fitness. I'm trying to read like a lot of like the mental fitness books right now. So I'm actually reading, uh, what is it? Mind games. Um, and like, this is my third like book, my mind book that I've just like moved on to. Um, and then, you know, like a bunch of video and then, uh, fitness. And with a sport, when it comes to slalom, I mean, a lot of that involves precision turning and, and, you know, hitting the gates right and everything is the focus when it comes to gym work is, is that come from the legs? Does that come from upper body kind of, what are you working on to help those turns when it comes to slalom? Yeah. So actually like, it's a lot of core, um, from what my coach and I have been talking about, uh, you know, it's keeping your upper body stable and letting your legs do the work. So it's really like keeping your, uh, your core engaged and then letting your legs just do all of the work. And if this, you know, if I'm an idiot here, <laughs> feel free to correct me, but uh, it's, it's not just about who gets to the bottom of the hill fastest, right? Is there a score-based system as well, or is it just 100% a race? It's 100% a race. So like, you get uh, two qualifying runs. So let's say there's a field of 60. So you get your first run on the red course or the blue course. And then uh, if you're in the top 16 on your course, you make a second run. So then there's goes down to 32. So then there's 32 guys. Um, and then in order to make finals, you need to be top 16 overall. So they'll take the, your time from your first run 
and then they'll take your time from the second run and then combine it. Um, so then like from there on out, if you're in the finals, you get seeded. If you have the fastest time, you're the first seed. Um, and then you verse the 16th seed. So being the higher seed, you get to choose the course you want. Um, and uh, so like first goes against 16 and if first wins, they move on to the next round, which is round of eight. But, you know, it's a complete crap show. So like 16th, like if first falls or something, 16th could completely move on. Mm. So it's really like trying to be like perfect for, I think it's six runs. That's insane. And is it a case yeah. of the course depends on whether you choose obviously red and blue. I'm guessing some courses, red's better, some's blue better. And and does superstition ever play into that though? Like, are you always like, hey, I'm always better at the red side. I'm always crap at the blue side. So like, let's hope I go on the red side first or something like that. Yeah, no, I've, I definitely think about that on the, like you get your starting list and for some reason, man, like I think red is always like my my lucky one. Whenever I get blue, so like red is on the left and blue is on the right. And whenever I get the the red course, you know, I somehow like do better than I would on blue. When you're going down the hill, how much focus do you actually have on your competitor who you're uh, side by, you look side by side, but because I watch and you're making so many turns, you're going at such a fast speed and uh, just equating it to a summer sport you know if you look at uh you know track and field or uh, a 100 meter sprint usain bolt was considered to be completely out of his mind to look at the other runners you know but i have to imagine that you have some focus on who you're racing against is oh they look like they're a little bit ahead of me or can you even gauge how close uh, you are and how far ahead somebody might be ahead of you yeah i mean you you get it like in the peripherals like i like i can notice like where my competitor is but then, like, sometimes, it, like, I've been trying to work on it, like, with my mental game. Like, if I see them, like, I'll try to, like, go faster. But, like, then I forget about my whole line and, like, what I'm trying to do with the course. And then, you know, I'll end up, like, messing up or something. Um, so I definitely, like, try not to recognize them. It's only, it's only when, like, I cross a finish line um, where, like, you know, if you're far ahead, you can know and you can, like, look back. Uh, to see where they're at. It is one of the beauties about a lot of winter sports, though, where you, in a way, can kind of cheer for the other people to fail. So, like, if all of a sudden you get, like, a bad start <laughs> yeah. and then you know they're, like, you know, five gates ahead and you're going, well, I'm not going to catch them. You just secretly go, shit, fall, fall, you bastard, fall, fall, fall. And then if they fall, <laughs> you've kind of got to not smile. Oh, what a shame you fell down. Oh, whoops. <laughs> yeah. No, we, we talk about, uh, like, how to intimidate your uh, – your opponent in the Stargate. So like you like, <laughs> you know who you're going against like when you get into the Stargate. So we always like have these jokes about like, you know, you know how like the Italians like uh, kiss each other like on the cheek and mm -hmm. stuff. Like mm -hmm. you just like ended up making out with a guy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Don't be thrown off. <laughs> I want that, that's something we're going to see at the Olympics. We just all of a sudden want to see like, you go to shake the other guy's hand and just full on, you know, make out. And he's like, what the hell? <laughs> Throws him off. Cool, sweet gold medal for me down the hill. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We we always talk about like different scenarios of like how to get in their head. If you ever seen the movie Basketball, I mean, we've Ben and I secretly wish that other sports would incorporate that taunting rule into it. It's like how much more interesting oh. could that be? 
Uh, I have to wonder with um, uh, the the Team USA, like when when do you know that you made the national team? Uh, for the Olympics? Yeah. Yeah, so for the Olympics, uh, you don't know until literally like three weeks before the Olympics. So wow. it's uh, – you have, comp- you have the World Cups, which are considered the qualifying events. Um, so, like, this year, some of them are considered it. But next year is really, like, if you do well at the World Cups next year, that's when the U.S. will, like, take that into account. And then by January, the Olympics are in February, uh, that's when they decide. What's the limit? Because I know with uh, other sports, there's you know a certain amount that you could send in one sport. What's the uh, the number that U.S. can send in your your discipline? They can send four, uh, like four men, four women. But at Pyeongchang, they only sent two men, uh, and I think that was in part just because some people didn't meet the qualifications, and. Uh, just so we could send like more athletes towards, you know, the events that we're probably better at, like mm. slope style and half pipe. And what's the field like then if they're going to send four? So, I mean, how many of you are there competing for those four spots at the moment? Uh, so right now, uh, like the top guys around like fi- fighting for that position right now, I'd probably say there's around like, seven eight people seven eight guys who are like really like fighting for it and right now how are you tracking i mean are you confident beijing is possible or do you kind of think that maybe it's more of a case of a 2006 in italy and maybe a bit more of a romantic story whereas you know 20 years prior that's where you first watched the olympics and that's where you made your debut i mean kind of how are you tracking for both those games yeah so 2022 um you know i'm confident that anything can really happen. Uh, it's just quite difficult because I just graduated school. So, you know, all these guys have so much more time on snow than I do. Like for instance, I'm at day 19 and like some of the Canadians that I compete against are over day 70, you know, and that's just like the toll that came with school. So, I mean, I definitely believe that, uh, my snowboarding, like can make the quantum leap and you know by next year anything can really happen and i could make 2022 i'm still like in a good position um but 2026 like you said i think it's like this crazy story that's coming together like my first time i was like that i witnessed the olympics was in italy and then you know maybe like the first time that i go to the olympics is going to be in italy so I like I'm I'm stoked either way like for how it turns out. We were able to talk to several athletes, uh, the summer athletes who uh, had the delay with Tokyo, and as soon as that happened, it didn't even click with us right away until we did an episode on. It. We're like, this means that Tokyo and Beijing are going to be less than a year apart. Uh, you're a little bit further down the road, but as this drags on and now there's talk that potentially Tokyo could be canceled. Who knows if it'll happen or I mean, I'm hoping not. Uh, are you preparing for potentially going to a games where there's no spectators? Uh, Does that make a difference to you? Do you just want to go regardless? Yeah. I mean, going to the Olympic games, this would be sick either way, but at the same time, you know, I don't, I haven't really even thought about like having no, uh, no spectators. Um, 
but you know, we've also talked about, you know, Beijing might get pushed back too. It might be 2023 instead of 2022, which would, you know, work in my uh, favor as well. So I'm just kind of going with the flow right now. I, I love where the journey's taking me. So we've we've gotten so many different responses you know there there were a lot of athletes with tokyo who were telling us you know th- this could potentially be bad for me because i was ready for this and there's others who were like you know what i was coming back from an injury and this is sort of my second shot so you know like you said a situation like yours you may actually benefit from having the extra year and that increases your chances. I mean, it's got to be a little bit difficult, I think, on both sides. Be like, you know what, I might have to wait another year. Who knows what could happen the next year? But then to also think, maybe I have a better shot if this does get delayed. Yeah, no, like I'm coming straight out of college and like I've got a great backup plan. Uh, You know, if snowboarding doesn't work out, if I get injured, but like, I'm also like starting into like my full on snowboarding career. So I'm, I'm stoked, like just to be getting like out here. I think, you know, Beijing, like there's great chances for that. I think there's great chances for uh, Milan Cortina 2026. And I definitely see like some of the guys that I'm training with who have like set their mind for Beijing and they're like, Beijing is my last Olympics and like, that's mm-hmm. it. So if it gets pushed back, so like it's, it's just like ruining like it for them because they have like their whole financials set up for it. Like all of their training has been set up just for Beijing. But like, I feel like I'm just energized and going in for like everything right now. You're in Austria at the moment, uh, currently competing. How, how are things going? Like sort of what's the happening right now? I mean, is it just kind of you're traveling around Europe to different circuits? I mean, kind of what what's happening right now and how are you going at the moment? Yeah. Uh, so I've been, I've been training. Um, this is, I've had 19 days on snow. Um, I got here uh, late December. I didn't get on snow until like early, like January 1st. I believe. And, um, I've had two competitions. I had one in Simonhue, Austria, and then one in Davos, Switzerland. And it's just, it's, it's definitely like a mind game getting back into it because all these guys, like I said, have had like so much time on snow. Um, you know, they're, they're, uh, they've had so many competitions and then like, I'm jumping into like the middle of the season where they've been training like the summer, the fall, and like the majority of the winter. So uh, I'm, I'm just stoked with like, kind of like where my results are going. Um, I think it's a great place to start out with. You know, it's not like where I want to be, but it's just, I know I'm going to improve from where I'm at. I have to ask, I, I had an Austrian friend once and Colin, don't laugh. I did have a friend once. Um, and <laughs> she used to talk about how, you know, people would make Australian jokes and things like that. Do, do Austrians get really offended if you call them Australian or like basically say like, Hey, where are the kangaroos? Like, can you just mess with them over there? <laughs> <laughs> with the, with the Australians? No, with the Austrians. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, my, the coach that I'm with here is Austrian and I, I give him a bunch of, I give him a bunch of crap for uh, kind of like how he says everything. Uh, he's got like <laughs> this like specific accent, you know? So like all of my teammates and I were, well, I'll, we'll all do it. He's like, Oh, come on. 
Come on, no, this is very bad. <laughs> oh, I think we should have just done the whole interview in that accent, really. Just kind of, you know, try to delicio. It just reminds you of Dumb and Dumber when, you know, the opening scene is like, oh, that's a lovely accent you've got there. Where are you from? New Jersey? Austria. Oh, we'll throw another shrimp on the barbie, mate. Let's not. <laughs> oh, it's a great movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, we're going to get into our final set of questions in a little bit here. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I have to ask you, you've gone all, all around the world. I don't even know if this is one of the questions. Do you have a plate favorite place you've competed so far? Uh, favorite place. I mean, I guess the craziest place. And I, I guess I like, I like that type of stuff was probably Kazakhstan or China. I was in China and that was wild. I was up in Harbin and uh, I could have sworn that like I had dog over there. Like it was just like <laughs> the weirdest meat in like the province we were in, Heilongjiang province. Uh, I guess like back then, 2015, like I remember my, my friends and stuff were like, yo, this province is known for having dog. Wow. So like, yeah, I ate this weird meat. Like we had a, like a buffet style like for all the athletes and stuff. And uh, like they had like chicken claws, like full on chicken claws, like that you could just like eat. And then they only had three drinks. And like one was, one was like milk, but it was completely curdled. So it was like just like warm milk and then Sprite and Pepsi. All right. <laughs> I would have gone for the warm milk, honestly, over the Pepsi. But I'm more of a Coke fan. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's something to put on, you know, like I, I possibly had dog. I mean, you go to these countries, though, right, and you kind of, I don't know about you, but like something clicks in your mind. You're like, I'm going to try everything. I don't care. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, when am I ever going to eat warm milk and dog? Like, it's not going to happen in Maine, yeah. so why not in China? Yeah. yeah, no, in Kazakhstan, I mean, I had like horse milk. Like, wow. I'm praying, <laughs> I'm praying that it was horse milk. So. <laughs> But you, you never know. One of these things might be like the secret elixir. Like you all of a sudden have hopefully horse milk and then the next day you win a gold medal. Like, Coach, yeah. I want horse milk on that plane every single competition. <laughs> but how, how weird would it be like showing up and being like, now I got to get like horse milk everywhere I go. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. One thing I have to ask though, um, you're talking about college. Now um, you're, I believe, majoring in, in history and entrepreneurial studies. I want to ask about that. But the thing that I'm excited about, Miles, you went to Hobart and William Smith College. Now, I'm actually from Hobart in Australia, so it's exciting to see that there are places in the world outside of my little bubble of Hobart that exist. And I've looked through this school. I've looked through your Instagram and you've got the hoodies there with, like, Hobart. It, you make Hobart look cool. If you went to Hobart in Australia, <laughs> no one thinks of Hobart that way. So thanks for this college for making this cool. I mean, how cool is, is Hobart College, basically, in the States? Maybe I need to go there. Yeah, it was it was a cool experience at school, for sure. I mean, uh Definitely, I gotta, I gotta send them this uh, podcast. And give them some love for the Hobart. <laughs> and if they're listening, oh. send me a Hobart hoodie, please, Hobart yeah. College, because like I want to rep my home city, even though it's not, it's a college, but it still works. So, yeah, at my president, where, where's your hoodie? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it was, it was cool, cool going to school. I, uh, I'm glad that I did it. It definitely took away some time from my snowboarding. But, you know, it's always great having, like, a backup plan. 
uh, I did end up joining a fraternity. So uh, right. shout out to ESK. <laughs> is it like for us non-Americans, is it exactly what it's like in the movies? Like just don't ruin the illusion for us? <laughs> yeah, no. It, it was, cool, right? It's it exactly that. But it, it was good. I ended up uh, I ended up leaving Hobart as the president of my fraternity, even though we got kicked off. Uh, we we there was like an there was a fire we had a fire on our roof and uh, oh, standard yep. fraternity stuff fire on exactly. the roof sure yeah, exactly <laughs> isn't, isn't that what you want though secretly you want to get kicked out like that kind of a badge of honor like i as president we got kicked out because i set a fire on a roof that's all you need to know <laughs> yeah no i mean uh we definitely got some street cred. Yeah, That's exactly. Sure. Yeah, yeah, and that that in itself will put you on the Olympic team. Like if they're looking there, the yeah. U.S. Olympic team. Going, oh, okay, we've got these guys, a couple of gold medals. Did re- oh, but this guy firing a roof at a fraternity. He's on the team. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, First round. Before we, get, <laughs> before we get into our final set of questions, I am I'm going to give you uh, both uh, some hope and a warning. Uh, we don't have the best track record on this show of people we've interviewed going on to metal. Uh, in fact, I think we we're at tell zero. Tell this, Colin. This is he's the last book about mentality. Was... This is going to affect his mind. Don't tell well, him this. <laughs> but here, here is the hope, though. We have a 100% track record of interviewing future Olympians who do go on to make the next Olympics. So, True. Uh, to maybe you could break both records. Uh, who knows? Uh, yeah. <laughs> But our, our our final set of questions here, this does come from the uh, the Team Canada Olympic website. Uh, and some of these questions are pretty straightforward, you know, likely the stuff you're used to. Some of them are a little bit more fun, a little bit more uh, entertaining. Uh, we're going to be going off of Pascal Dion here, uh, who is a speed skater here in Canada. But uh, the answers will be yours. You're not answering what you think Pascal would answer. You're answering your All right. Well, you can add an extra <laughs> challenge if you really want to, like, get bonus points. <laughs> yeah. What I do you think Pascal would say? Pascal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's start with uh, my favorite Olympic moment is. Oh, my favorite. All right, I'm going to do mine, and then I'm going to try to guess hers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, favorite Olympic moment? Uh, definitely seeing Seth Westcott win gold. Uh both times i think torino was probably the craziest uh i think it was like a comeback that he had we were like oh like damn like we're we're hoping like he's gonna get podium like we were just so stoked to go there for the olympics and like the fact that he ended up getting like winning and then like a few days after that we got to like sit down with him and like i got to wear the gold medal there's a picture of that so like i i definitely that would be like my favorite Olympic moment. Great, great. It's it's actually, it must be unique as a spectator because, I mean, I've been to, I worked and been to a, a Commonwealth Games. I don't know how familiar Americans are with Commonwealth Games, yeah. but uh, sort of there. But, um, and it's kind of, when you're working and as a spectator, you're obviously cheering for your own country. And then it's kind of interesting as a spectator when somebody wins a gold and you hear your national anthem. So I can imagine in an Olympics, you're there, you know, cheering on team USA and you, your mate wins a gold. And then all of a sudden you've got this moment where it's like, please rise for the, the national. Anthem. That must be an epic experience in the crowd to, to see that happen. Yeah, it, it was unreal. We went to the medal ceremony and I remember it was like 
before like the medal ceremony they had avril lavigne like ah. do a concert yep completely yeah i had a crush on her when i was like eight years old mm-hmm. <laughs> didn't. that's why you like nickelback because you know a husband basically yeah, exactly. so yeah <laughs> My taste in music. Um, hey, hey, no, look, I, I, there's nothing. I was looking through your Twitter and I'm seeing here about Kanye being your spirit animal. Also, yep. I like the fact that you blasted rap at your brother's Little League game. So clearly <laughs> your music's working on many levels. Yeah, yeah geez, I have not updated my Twitter in forever. So. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting reading some 2016 tweets, which I don't know. Uh, yeah, but uh, good to see you got some nice colourful straps made for you. That looks cool. And then there's also a, oh, yeah, the a, a photo of a sandwich, which looks like it's cheese, salami, and Nutella. Is that the right? Is that, am I looking at that correctly? <laughs> oh, oh yeah, on my Instagram. Oh, yeah. I, was trying, I was trying to contact Gordon Ramsay. Ah. Trying to do all the cool food that I'm having here. Yeah, and did he it get back nice. to you at all? No, I still uh, need help on my uh, Well, he's a big delicate. listener to Off the Podium. So, uh, Gordon, yeah. if you're listening, uh, we, we want you to, you know, hook Miles up with this. And also, again, Hobart, free hoodie for Ben. Colin, do you want anything yeah. free? I don't know. if. Um, and <laughs> gold medal for Miles Silverman. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Done. If Also, if you don't, I mean, you will win gold. I will say that. But uh, if you don't, I've got three uh, gold medals myself. They might be replica ones bought off like a Chinese store. But, hey, if you ever want a, a Rio, a Sydney, or a Tokyo gold medal, I can hook you up. That's huge. Take it till you make it. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> I tell people I'm a three-time Olympic gold medalist, particularly from Olympics that hasn't happened yet, and people believe me. So, yeah. you know, why not? Um, next question. Now, we might know the answer to this based on something you told us off air, but uh, as a kid, your favorite sports team, who was it? Uh, probably the the Sox, the ah, Red Sox. They're still, okay. they're still a huge, huge team for me. So you would have been sure. very young then when they won that first World Series. What was that, 2004? You would have been about seven. Do you remember that? Were you, were you around for that? Yep. I was uh, – I remember that. Uh, they came back. They beat the Yankees. We were down like 3-0 in like the ALCS yep. and uh, came back uh, – best comeback of all time i remember like my buddy got the sports illustrated dvd and we used to just like watch that nice. so uh big comeback kid right here i'll just i'll and, just add on that that as a white Sox fan we won it the next year so you know just subtle break. oh yeah yeah <laughs> broke our own drought so you know <laughs> yeah my dad's a huge sports fan so he actually like ended up going to wow. one of the games yeah fantastic check it out, so. And, and as somebody also now living in Victoria, just as a sore spot for all our Vancouver Canucks fans, Boston did then beat Vancouver Game <laughs> 7, set off a couple of riots. Just brief yes. history reminder for our yeah. Vancouver Canucks fans listening. Don't riot. Everyone it's all good. Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, Colin, when did the Leafs last win? Okay, sorry. Never mind. <laughs> it's it's coming. It's coming. Just Has a couple been months for the last away. 50 years. It's all good. 60 years nearly now, Colin. Wow. Oh, um, how about this next one? If I were any superhero, I would be. Jeez, probably Batman. Batman's nice. like the OG. Yeah, he's like the coolest one, I think for sure. He have you ever really been have... tempted to dress as Batman and snowboard in Batman costume? No, maybe. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, maybe like Catwoman or something. Yeah, try to attract him. <laughs> Okay, and that would make when you kiss the other competitor, maybe wouldn't be as awkward for some of our conservative <laughs> exactly. listeners. Yeah, exactly. At least they would think they're kissing Catwoman, and then you wouldn't cause you know a lot of. 
expense out there for some it people. Just, um, it would thrown off if I was wearing a Catwoman too. They'd be like, I, who is this? I would be fine with it. Then weirdly, like, like I, I know you're probably a dude, but you look like Catwoman, so... You know, it, it kind of works out that way. Uh, who are your favourite uh, music artists? Band? I mean, we know Nickelback and Avril Lavigne, clearly, but um, <laughs> anybody else? Uh, I've been pretty big into, like, rap, uh, obviously. And, um, you know, Flatbush Zombies. I love um, Shy Glizzy. Um, but also, like, I love, like, the old school stuff. So, like, Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm huge fan of them uh the stones i don't really dabble with the dead that much but it's kind of like it's it's really like all over the place oh and the chili peppers yeah love the chili peppers. i'm always worried when you know we we talk to someone and this just makes us sound old when we say someone younger than us when you start saying like oh i'm really into old school and you're gonna start saying like yeah, old school like backstreet boys and you know <laughs> Fucking Spice Girl. I'm like, Jesus Christ, we're old. Like, that's old school now. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> yeah. This uh, this next one here, um, resist the, the urge to answer dog or horse milk, but if I could eat one food for the rest of my life, it would be... Tacos. Yes. Yeah. Tacos, hands down. Nice. Uh, so soft good. or hard shell, though? Soft. Yeah, soft. All See, I I answer soft shell, and people here look at me like I'm an alien. They're like soft shell. That's not even a real taco. I'm like, no, that's the best kind. No way. You can season. You can season the soft shell. Mm-hmm. You can get like, oh my god, yeah, great place in like where right where I'm from in Brunswick, Taco the town. Huge shout out to them. I was going to ask, so, what's the taco scene like in Austria? Uh, how are the tacos over there? <laughs> we we have to make them. Oh. We literally get like ground beef and just make our own tacos here. Yeah. There you go. Come on, Austria, pick your game up. Get your you get your taco game going up. Um, you you sort of answered this one before. Your favorite place to compete is favorite place. Yeah, uh, China was really cool. You know, anything like exotic, I think, would be like the coolest place for me. So Kazakhstan, um, Russia. I was in like Siberia, and that was like wicked, wicked cool. Wow. Wow. What's the, what's the scene like in Canada? Is there a place in Canada you like competing? I've been to, uh, well, I went to Vancouver for the games mm-hmm. and you know, that was, that's probably like my favorite place in North America. It's just like so much going on over there. Um, but Le Relais in Quebec, uh, we usually have competitions over there and like, that's a cool little spot. I'm trying to pick up French, so I've just been on Duolingo, <laughs> like doing all that. But uh, yeah, I think uh, Canada's got some cool spots for sure. And like, I've been great friends with all the Canadians for a long time. So whenever I go over, it's like a huge party. <laughs> Interesting part, like both there, Quebec, obviously you got to learn the French. And then if you go to Whistler again, you got to learn Australian because that's where all the Australians go when they come to Canada. <laughs> they just go to Whistler. So, <laughs> yeah. so you're in a great spot though. Whistler's so sick. Yeah, I yeah. actually haven't been to Whistler yet. I, I'm on Vancouver Island, so it's kind of uh, not quite there, and I can't travel there at the moment. But um, we were meant to be going there, and then certain like, little pandemic happened. So, you know, I might have to wait like for a bit. Canada, it's like so hard for the U.S. or like people from the U.S. to get into Canada now. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. Like and they, they, even as of the time we're recording this, I think Trudeau's just closed it off to even more. So, um, hey, no can't come to Canada. <laughs> okay, that's good. Hey, hello, Justin just- Trudeau. He's a big listener of the show as well. <laughs> uh how about this one thing i've always wanted to do is 
probably oh dude go to space yes I I think I found my spirit animal is Miles Silverman soft shell tacos (laughs) and going to space (laughs) right yeah like I always I have this like one would you rather question so it's like would you rather be in a submarine for a week or be in a space shuttle for a week and so many people are like I'd rather be in a submarine and I just don't understand that what's the appeal yeah Yeah, right. It's more terrifying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Space, you float. You like you do pretty, cool things with liquid planets. Yeah, there's aliens. Yeah. You could get abducted. Like, <laughs> what's going to hit you? A whale, and you're going to drown in two seconds. Like, pff, asteroid you know. comes. You and Bruce Willis can save the world. There's so exactly. many opportunities. Huge. Yeah, I didn't see Bruce Willis on a sub. Maybe um, <laughs> Sean Connery, but. He's dead now, and Harrison Ford's still alive. Uh, not Harrison. One thing of Harrison Ford. I don't know where I'm going with this. Um, <laughs> my favorite thing, what's your favorite thing to do in the summer, Miles, if you ever get to see summer? Summer? Let's yeah, what's see. that? Probably, <laughs> God, travel. I think, like, when I went to Mammoth for uh, the snowboarding, uh, we went over to Yosemite, and it was just so sick. Um so probably in the summer travel, I love to like, we, we live right on the water. So a bunch of uh, like supping. So I go like stand up paddle boarding nice. a bunch with my family. Um, and that's kind of like it really. I mean, catching up with like friends, but being out in the warm weather too. Mm. It's a one. Make the most of it when you actually can experience yeah. it and not just yeah. have this cold, wet exactly. stuff around you all the time. <laughs> Here's an important one. What is your favorite movie? Favorite movie? Oh, God. Anchorman. Um, <laughs> huge. I, I literally, I got like, uh, I made like business cards off of like some website. And <laughs> this was back like before I went to college and I would just hand them out to people. And on like one side, it was like 60% of the time, this works every time. And like on the other side, it was like, I'm very important. <laughs> My apartment <laughs> smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> and true story, that's how you got into Hobart College, right? That's where you're going with that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. gold. I love it. That's fantastic. Uh, more people need to do that with business cards, you know, just uh, yeah, try to have, make it funny. <laughs> have it out there. Um, the next question we've answered, you, we literally is my favorite place of visit in Canada, uh, but let's change that up. You're American. What's your favorite place to visit in the States? Favorite place to visit in the States. Damn. Um, God, probably Boston. I love Boston. Um, it's a great city. I, I, have like a huge, like, I guess I despise New York City. I just can't stand it. Like if it's Boston or New York City, it's like Boston all the way. Um, even though I went to school in New York, it, it wasn't near the city. But like I, I mingled with a bunch of city kids. Um, or Colorado. Colorado is beautiful. So. Uh, going along with the movies, my favorite cartoon to watch growing up was? Oh, uh God, what was it? Um, oh, it was like a uh, Rocket Power. That Rocket was like Power. the best one. Or Scooby Doo. 
This is where we're showing uh, our age. We've not heard of that yeah. one. <laughs> we're Googling. You're not hearing typing right now. Yeah, no, no. Google Rocket Power. Oh, that show. Oh, yep. Love God, that. I am putting you guys on a show. Rocket Power is amazing. Okay. It's like about these kids who are just like extreme, like extreme athletes who love to surf, snowboard, skateboard. Oh, so yeah. This does sound cool. I mean, yeah. I've got a four-year-old, uh, so I'm sure um, I could put it on for him, you know? Just no, yeah, not, yeah, exactly. yeah. no other ulterior <laughs> motives, just for the kids. It's a Nickelodeon <laughs> show. I'm, I'm down for that. So I see it's here by the creators of Rugrats. That's showing my age. So, you know, that's um, that. that uh, we'll put it on the list, Colin. Uh, coming yes. soon uh, over on the Oz Network, we'll review it. Um, if you had to do karaoke, what would you sing? Oh my God, yo. So I, I studied abroad in Vietnam and I did karaoke so much. <laughs> so I think there's a video of me doing like, uh, oh, what was it? It was like some, I think it was London Bridges. Oh yeah. London Bridges by Fergie. Yep. Yeah. So that would be my go-to or a Big Green Chapter by Jason Aldean. Okay. I'm liking this. We need to. I want to find this video now of, of a Fergie sing along and a, and a yeah, tractor. I, I, like, yeah, I can send it to you. I got it. Do it. Do it. We, we, we will, like, next year when you're at the Olympics, we're like, here's Miles Silverman going there. Oh, by the way, here's him singing, you know, London Bridge by Fergie. Just, you know. We'll have to go out for karaoke after. Oh, absolutely. I'm down. I don't, I'm, Colin, I don't know if you're a karaoke man, but uh, I'm definitely karaoke man. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Ben and I will do Fergalicious. <laughs> oh, perfect. <okay. Yeah. laughs> and then we'll end it up with some uh, Kanye and some Nickelback. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do a bit of How You Remind Me or something like that. <laughs> so here's our final question. If I could be an Olympian in any sport other than my own, it would be? Oh, God. I really think, can I do summer? Would a summer yeah, for Olympic sure. Any, any sport. All right. Besides curling, because that's that curling is crazy. Um, yes. No. Uh, uh, summer, I would definitely probably. I think diving is so cool. Mm. If I could be a diver, or a, or a tennis player. Mm. Yeah. Be nuts. I, Play I, against I, like Novak. Oh. We just see Miles Silverland, Milos Ronic on the same court. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think go the, go the Novak cool. route, right? You got all that power. He's he's getting a lot of shit in Australia right now for his demand. So he's not a very popular tennis player right now in my homeland. But screw screw Australia. Novak Djokovic's great. Leave him alone. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Well, we will see how that goes. If the snowboarding doesn't work out and you end up on the tennis court or diving, uh, you know, we can uh, yeah. tune in and put London Bridge playing down as you're doing or, you know, make <laughs> tennis not a quiet, please. You're like, no, crank up the Fergie. I, I need some music <laughs> as I'm serving along those lines. Miles, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure getting you on the show today to learn a little bit more about yourself and uh, learn about your career and everything. Before we let you go, though, um, give yourself give yourself a plug. Can people follow you on, on Instagram, Twitter? Like where, where can they find you online if they want to, yeah. you know, track your career a little bit closely yeah for sure find me on uh instagram it's miles silverman uh it's with a y for miles um and linkedin those are kind of like the the main things that i've been on i've been trying to get on tiktok uh i don't i don't have the dance moves so i'm not doing those <laughs> karaoke but, uh, moves though come on yeah exactly i could i could just upload that yep that's where you can find me yep yep 
Good. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on things and uh, we'll get you back on the show once you've got that gold medal around your neck. And as I said, if it's one of these fake ones behind me, hey, you know, it it will work somehow. (laughs) Love it. And there we go, Miles Silverman, Team USA, Olympic hopeful uh, in snowboarding. Great chat there, learnt a lot, and uh, we're obviously going to wish Miles the best of luck moving forward, and we're sure that he will make the Olympics and break the off-the-podium curse and win a damn medal because, again, I think we're zero from everything for medals. Uh, before we go, we haven't really been doing these intros and outros recently, but we've got stuff to talk about now, so why aren't we going to do this? Um, I did get a little birdie uh, tweet me somehow in my mind uh, between the start and end of this. It's amazing what you can do uh, with people communicating to you when you're not uh, live. Uh, we have had a non-American, uh, non-Canadian slash Australian on this show, Devin Harris, of course, from the Jamaican bobsled team. So uh, sorry to Devin. I'm sure you're still a long-term listener of the show. Probably lost you at the beginning of the show after we apparently forgot who you were. But uh, yes, that. So, And we've always sort of had the goal of uh, not just being completely focused on Australian and American, uh, Canadian. I'm losing the plot today. Harrison Ford, American. I can't even think properly. Australian and Canadian athletes on the show. Uh, so obviously we're going to cross that barrier and we will bring you a Kazakhstani and Olympian at one point to uh, go on the page there of what Miles was talking about in that interview. Uh, But you've been listening, waiting, anticipating to see what the big news is that we announced at the beginning of this episode, what lists we've made. Well, we have been named as one of the top 30 Olympic podcasts you must follow in 2021. No, it's not just 30 Olympic podcasts to follow. It's you must follow. This is uh, according to Feedspot. And uh, yes, we came in at number four, apparently. So we are the fourth most in-demand Olympics podcast that you should listen to out there in the world. So uh, it's a big honor to make a list and considering that our episodes maybe aren't as frequent as some of these other ones out there. Shout out to the three that beat us. Uh, If you're going to get beaten by anyone, you want to get beaten by the official Olympic Channel podcast, which I'm guessing is the official Olympics podcast. So arguably that's going to be number one. But also a shout out goes to uh, Around the Rings, an American-based Olympics podcast there. Shout out to our friends over there. And also a shout out to Keep the Flame Alive, the podcast for Olympics fans. Uh, They're also based out of the United States. So got to say, we are Australia slash Canada's number one Olympic podcast as ranked by Feedspot.com. So uh, thank you to that. And got to say bit of a prideful moment that our podcast apparently is higher ranked than the official Australian Olympics team podcast. Uh, Olympics Unleashed Tokyo Australian Olympic team released by the Australian Olympics committee only came in at number 22. So uh, there you go. As somebody who's never going to make the Olympics myself, I can at least beat the Australian Olympic Committee. So uh, if only you had given us the nod for Hobart 2020, perhaps you would have been higher. Obviously, they like the Hobart Olympic bid. That's why we're number four. Uh, We do have some great new episodes coming your way, hopefully very soon. We've got some other athletes lined up. And obviously in the lead up to Tokyo, we haven't really come on and done sort of a news episode and discussed it. Um, Jared will be back. We'll get Colin back. We'll talk about these coming soon, things happening with the Olympics. Obviously with Miles on the show, we're basically a year away now to Beijing. So there's a lot happening in the world of the Olympics. Uh, so stay tuned for that. We've got Olympic bids happening out there for 2032. Brisbane's a big front runner for that one. So 
plenty of stuff to talk about and always things going on in the Olympics news cycle. So uh, off the podium will be a little bit more frequent in 2021, not just because there's hopefully an Olympics happening this year. So uh, stay tuned to that. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. We're not on Instagram, but maybe we will have to get on there one day. Uh, I think we are on YouTube, but we never use it. So, hey, one day as well. We'll get our fingers out of our butts and prepare ourselves. I have no idea what that sentence means. But anyway, I'm going to move along right now. Thanks, Miles, for joining us. Thanks for Feedspot for putting us. Maybe we're going to move down to, like, number seven after what I just said there. This has been Off the Podium. We'll speak to you next time. Good night. So Turning Japanese, I think I'm turning Japanese, I really think